All right, here we go. Uh, you're going to hear this verse again next weekend, but let me just, it's, it's so good. Let's, let's do it twice. Here it is, Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You see, I think there are so many different reasons and ways that we could rejoice, but like, I'm rejoicing that we're getting a break in the weather tonight, so amen for that. Um, but would you turn to some people around you that you just said hello to, and would you give them one reason that you can rejoice, one reason that you can give thanks, one reason that you're going, yeah, this is what's in my heart right now. Go ahead. And by the way, if you don't have that, it's okay to say that and go, I, don't, I, don't, I got nothing right now. It may be something that's going on in your life. It may be something you were to talk to me later. I'm trying to figure it out. But if you can, just find some reason that you could just rejoice right now. Go ahead and talk to each other real quickly. Okay. All right. I'm guessing there are lots of awesome answers and stories and things like that that are going on, and we just love that. We love that. Uh, I could only imagine that at least some of you turned to someone and said, I'm being baptized tonight. Yeah, there you are. Um, some of you uh, turned and said, hey, I've got a, a friend that I love, that someone in my family that's being baptized. It's, it's awesome. Some of you are just saying, I've never been here before for one of these things, and I can't wait to see how this works. I'm excited. It could be that you're here every year, and you're like, man, this is my favorite time of the year. It just reminds me that God's up to something. It could be that you're saying, yeah, all of that's great, but are you paying attention to what's happening in the world? Are you going to say something about the Supreme Court ruling? Some of you are thinking, you better. Some of you are thinking, you better not. <laughs> and a lot of you are saying, well, I wonder how that has anything to do with anything that we're talking about with baptism. Well, <laughs> welcome to being a pastor these days. Uh, but but he, here's what I would say to you, just real quickly. Uh, I know this matters to so many of you for so many different reasons. And I want to acknowledge that. It's really close to me because uh, I'm thinking of friends that are going through just unbelievable difficulties right now. I'm thinking of the joy that's in our own family as we await the birth of a baby boy in just a few weeks. I mean, there's just so many different aspects of all of this. And I can only imagine that some of you are like, you know what? You're not the person I want to hear from. And, and you, like, for some of you, I'm, I'm not going to say enough. And for others of you, I'm going to say too much. And welcome to your world, right? But, but here's the thing. What if I took 120 seconds? It's not nearly enough to talk about this. We talk about it all the time. We enter into conversations all the time. But what if, without going into politics at all, what if for 120 seconds I shared a couple things with you and we kept our eyes on the king of glory, and then we'll get right back into it. Deal? Every life, born and unborn, bears the image of God. This we have proclaimed and celebrated throughout the days and years of ministry around here. It informs how we do what we do, why we do what we do in so many aspects of ministry. And while this, this ruling this week is significant, I would even say historic, an answer to prayer for many, I want us to also hear the call from God to love well. You see, I think this is the time for the church to lean in and figure how we are going to champion life in outrageously generous ways. So, According to the prophet Micah, let's walk humbly with our God. 
Let's keep moving into spaces where families and young women and little ones need our help. Let's be a place where married and unmarried women can bring their struggles and their challenges and their questions. And yes, we speak truth, but we offer love in tangible ways and grace always. Let's not disregard those who are right now in unimaginable situations, some that were simply not of their own doing. Let's listen hard in these moments and let's pray even harder. Let's move in close to men and speak truth about sexual ethics and responsibility and call them to a godly way to honor women. Let's even be the people of God who can have conversations with each other when we don't agree on something. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in the cul-de-sac. I don't know where it is, but let's be a people who can have these conversations without dishonoring and destroying each other with our words. Let's show the world a better way. Let's keep chasing after Jesus as he leads us into this tumultuous world which he has not given up on. You see, I think that's what we have in common, many of us. We believe that Jesus is the world's one true Lord. We're going to keep following him. We're going to keep allowing him to do what he does through us and for us and around us because we do believe he is king. There is no other name under heaven whereby men and women can be saved. There is a God who saves, strong and mighty. Healing is in his name. And so we will now be the church and we will move forward and we will love and we will will serve and we will champion life in outrageously generous ways. And watch what God does. Which is one of the reasons why I think Psalm 18, 118 is such a perfect place for us to start this baptism weekend with. I mean, it's just this celebration of who God is. That psalm is one of the Hallels. Now, let's go on ahead and speak some Hebrew today, okay? Uh, let me hear you say it. Hallel. Now, if you've got a little allergy problem, this is your moment. Hallel, Hallel. Let me hear it again. Hallel, Hallel. You can imagine when you think of it, H-A-L-L-E-L, Hallel, it's the root of the word hallelujah. It means praise. So this is a psalm of praise, and it was often read and sung at the high holy days of Israel's worship cycle. So you would see them celebrating and Let's say, for instance, uh, Passover. This would be one of the psalms that would be sung and read at Passover. And if you read the whole psalm, it reaches back to God rescuing his people out of slavery in Egypt. And why wouldn't they rejoice? The whole thing is soaked in gratitude. It starts with a, a, a verse that, uh, that a lot of you will know. Give thanks to the Lord. I mean, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I mean, we know this first. Now, if that isn't enough, if you read the psalm, there are all these messianic, like Messiah references in the psalm of the king who is coming. And by the way, for you Bible Billy Whizbangs out there, you will know this, but in the, like, the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem triumphantly, like Palm Sunday, you remember all that? We go over that. This is the psalm they're quoting. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which brings us back to today. Because you see, the king did come. And by his life, death, and resurrection, he triumphs over all. And he is the champion. And he is, yes, our king. He is our savior, our redeemer, our our Lord. And his name is Jesus. And we're going to celebrate him today as men and women and children and teenagers 
young and old, everything in between from all four of our campus sites from all over the St. Louis area, actually technically from people from around the country who have flown in to be here to step into the waters of baptism to tell a watching world that they belong to Jesus. Now, I think that's a reason we could rejoice today. Amen? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Yeah, okay, well, we're just getting started, and there's so much good stuff that's happening. I actually want to just toss this now to the campus pastors who are going to tell you and share some things with you. Now, here's how it's going to work. The campus pastors, like not your campus pastor, but the other campus pastors have made a video for you specifically, but it doesn't include your campus pastor. Clear? So we're going to see a campus pastor video, but it won't include your campus pastor, but it'll include all of the other campus pastors who are campus pastors. That's why we're calling this a campus pastor video. Okay, so just watch this. Hi, Crossy and Ron Sweet here, the Fenton campus pastor, and I'm standing here in our lobby at Fenton in front of our grace wall, which means a whole lot to us because each one of these little blocks on this wall represents a human life, somebody who's been changed by the grace of God. And I think it's fitting as we're in baptism weekend now that we're celebrating all the men, women, children, teenagers who have come to understand this grace personally. So I am so excited because I get to be in the water. My favorite part is when they come up out of that water and they're soaking wet, uh, there is so much joy and gratitude on their faces. And it's just a great reminder, isn't it, of how incredible God's grace is. And, and there's just so much uh, on their face that just reminds me that Jesus really is in the business of changing lives. Only he can change the human heart. So I hope you'll be there with me to join and celebrate all of these changed lives this weekend. Hi, everybody. I'm Angela Bice. I'm the campus pastor here at the Grinch Trail Campus. I am so excited about baptism. Let me tell you why. I know many of the stories of the people walking in the waters today. Some of them, it's been a long journey towards Christ, and they've decided after years it's time to walk into the waters and get baptized. Others, they surrendered their life to Jesus two weeks ago. So I'm excited as they walk into the waters to see them surrender fully, take their next step towards Jesus. But I'm more excited about what's to come after that. The next step and the next step and the next step. So I hope you'll join us today. We're excited and we'll see you there. Hey everybody, my name is Chris Mitchell and I am the campus pastor here at our Mid-Rivers location. And I'm so excited about our baptism celebration. One of the reasons I'm excited is because if you're like me, you're hoping that, that this world begins to change. You're seeing some things that, that you hope will change in this world. And I know that the way that that happens is one person at a time begins to trust Jesus and figure out how to apply his wisdom and his love to their life. And when they do that, then a family changes and a neighborhood changes and a school changes and a business changes. That's how that works. And so I guess I'm so excited about celebrating baptism because coming together as one church across many locations all across the city, coming together to celebrate the life change that we're experiencing, that we're seeing, we're gonna witness it and celebrate it. And I can't wait to see you there. Well, if you've been to one of our baptism celebrations before, you know that everything those campus pastors said is true. So tonight, we are going to celebrate lives that have been transformed by God. And I hope you're making plans to be here. I hope you'll join us. It's, 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 it's going to be great. You're going to want to make it. So really fast, just a couple of logistical things, kind of when should you show up and what should you bring, all that kind of stuff. So 
we are gonna start baptizing people around 6.30, but get here a little bit before then. It'll give you plenty of time to find a place to park and, and, and maybe find a place around the pond and grab some money for the food truck. So do that, make sure to show up then, and we'll start baptizing around 6.30. And then after that, we're going to have a worship concert. We're going to have a party, and we're going to celebrate these lives that have been transformed by Jesus. And here's the really cool thing. We're going to have worship leaders and volunteers from every single one of our four campuses. So just what a great picture of the many parts of the body, of our body here at The Crossing, working together as one. So stick around for that. As far as what to bring, uh, sunscreen in case the sun's out and it gets a little hot, maybe some water to stay hydrated, a lawn chair, a blanket, stuff like that. But make sure to bring, uh, to leave your pets at home and uh, no alcohol. Just for people here in our midst or in recovery, we really want to do our best to honor and respect them. So that's this weekend we're going to celebrate, but we are already looking ahead to next weekend. And we're not slowing down, not at all. Uh, our creative teams and our worship teams, they've created an online worship experience that you are going to want to tune in for. As someone who had the privilege of being there while it was filmed, it'll do your soul good. So 4th of July weekend, we are not meeting in person. All of our services will be streamed online and on Facebook and on YouTube. So tune in for that. Uh, we'll sing together. Greg will open up God's word, and it'll be yet another reminder of this life that God is calling us into with him. The following weekend, the July 9th and 10th weekend, we'll be back to normal for our in-person gatherings through the rest of the summer. And it's just gonna be great. It's gonna be great to see what God does. It is, it is such a privilege for me as a pastor to watch God work in and through this church. And that's only possible because of your generosity. So we're gonna move into a time of worship and receive our offering. The ways to give, they're gonna be on the screen behind me here at Chesterfield. There are some boxes that you can put your gift in. And for those of you who give faithfully, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're still checking out the claims of Jesus or if you're still trying to discern if God is calling you to make this place, this church, your church home, please don't feel like you have to participate in this part of the service. But for those of you who do do this, who do give, God is using it. And you are quite literally creating a place for people to be transformed by Jesus. And as we think about baptism, as we look ahead to tonight, what a great reminder that it is all about Jesus. To him be the glory. Let's turn our eyes towards him.
church. Is it okay if we do that? Is it okay if we keep turning our eyes towards him? I, I, want, I want you to know Jesus is the world's one true Lord. He's worthy of all praise and glory and honor. He's, he's the one we worship today. So I'm going to pray now for us. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, I got a little footnote in my prayer, okay? Because some of these words aren't mine. I'm going to now use the inspired words of the Apostle Paul in a letter that he wrote to the Ephesians as part of my prayer. But I'm going to ask you, if you would now, to join me in prayer as we continue this service. Father, we come before you, and we're so grateful. We're grateful that you love us the way you do. We're grateful that you sustain us. You truly are good. And you have sent your son. And Jesus, we need you. We so desperately need you. I pray now that you will help us to understand just how close you are. I pray now that these people, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. God, may they be filled to the measure of all the fullness that you have in store for them. Now, to you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And the people of God said, amen, amen. Listen to me, God is good, the Spirit is here, and Jesus is worthy of our praise, which means I think we need one more crack at this song. I know you were feeling it a little bit, and some of you were like, you know, if I was standing, I could feel it a little bit more. So let's go on ahead and stand. I want you to stand with me now, and I want you to worship if you feel led to worship, if you're comfortable in worshiping, if you want to put a little sway in what you need to be doing, you do that as well. But I want us to keep turning our eyes towards Jesus. Can we just start this thing up now? You guys got me on this? This is happening all over. This is one church, many locations, and everyone is worshiping together now. Amen.
grateful for everything that you've been doing. I'm going to just release all of these amazing singers and worship leaders at each of the sites. You guys go ahead and go. Um, Aaron, if you don't mind, just kind of keep that awesomeness going for a second because I need these people to turn around to each other. I got a question for you first. When was the last time you felt awe? Are you even familiar with awe? Like wonder, you know, like oh, awe. How are you with that? Are you somebody who is prone to that? Or are you somebody who's like, we, we all land on a scale, right? Let's do one of our infamous uh, self-evaluation uh, scales, shall we? So we'll just go from zero to five. Zero, you see the world as a bowl of cold oatmeal. Blue, boring, blue. Or maybe all the way on five down here, you're somebody who looks at the world like a, I don't know, a three-year-old. Everything is awesome, right? So go ahead, just tell the people around you and peg a number. Don't go for three, that's too safe. Which way do you trend on this thing? Go ahead, where are you on the awe scale? Go ahead, talk to each other. Hey folks, I just wanted a chance to talk to you online. First of all, I'm just so grateful that you're joining us. I know there are a variety of reasons and challenges and, and, and just, just stuff that keeps us from gathering together in person. And we understand that. I, I would like to say that if it's at all possible, maybe it's because of your schedule, maybe it's because it's gonna be like an open air event. If you feel comfortable, I'd love to invite you personally now to join us. And if you do, come up and say hi. We'd love to know that you're with us. If not, and if it's not time yet, let me say one more time. We're grateful for you, we love you. I'm, so, I'm just so thankful that we get to do this together. So let's stay in touch. I'm gonna go back and start talking to everybody now. Thanks. Okay, all right, while y'all are talking, um, let's just go on ahead and say that we're gonna go to Acts, the book of Acts chapter two is where we're gonna start off. I'm gonna just kinda set this up. Uh, Aaron, whew, you could just keep doing that the entire message, but uh, I'm gonna let you off the hook now for a second, all right, and you come back later too. Um, yeah, yeah. So our amazing staff at a chapel, we were looking at Acts chapter two a couple of weeks ago, and there was so much in this passage that we looked at that we, just, we didn't even have time to go through it all. So I'm not even gonna show you the whole passage. In fact, just consider this a teaser for what's going to happen this fall. This fall, we are going to start in September, we are going to start a series where we study the book of Acts like all the way through. And I don't know if you know the book of Acts or not, but it is interesting, it is intriguing, it is shocking, it is practical, it is supernatural, it is, it is, it is very timely. Let's just say this is gonna be something where we're gonna study this together and just watch what God does. But for right now, let me set the stage for you. Uh, Jesus has returned to his Father in heaven. Um, he told them to wait, these disciples, to wait until they were infused with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit has, has gotten a hold of their lives. Peter, this famous disciple that we know, preaches the sermon of his life. We're not really sure where we'll talk about that in the fall. Most people think it was probably on what's called the southern steps. These are the steps that lead up to the temple complex. So there are thousands upon thousands of people coming in for this feast of Pentecost. And someplace there, Peter now preaches this message. And 3,000 
10,000 people come to, to, to know Christ and they are baptized. It is some start to the church. I mean, everything explodes and we're off and running. And right here, right here, you begin to see things that they are committed to. We'll get to that next, next, next in the fall. Okay, but here's the thing. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So let me ask you again. Like, how are you with awe? When was the last time you were filled with awe? I guess what I want to say to you is that in this post-pandemic, conflict-ridden, anxiety-filled world where the headlines continually proclaim the slow death of the church, God is still up to something. And he's still up to something in the local church, and we see it happening again and again. In fact, I would put it to you this way. There, there are miracles happening in our midst. I'm not overstating it. And when I say happening, I don't mean we're looking back on the good old days. I mean happening now. Let me just explain one of them to you. We know that in this new world, in this new era, there is people are coming back in person at different rates. We understand that. I was just talking to the thousands who still join us online every week and are engaged. I just want you to to know we have kind of a dashboard that we look at that kind of indicates like the health of this church and I'm not going to bore you with all of those metrics but one of them like a couple of them do have to do with various numbers and, and we know that like one of them is you know the people that are joining us both online and in person because you have to consider both now but I'll give you another one just an apples to apples comparison and it's not about numbers okay it's not about numbers but like baptisms people have said well how are we doing on this stuff well, what I can tell you is that our all-time, uh, our all-time, like record, if you want to call it that, for baptisms in a ministry year is like in the mid 300s. Now I tell you that just so that's just kind of what happened around here, right? And so when I'm at, I said in the last service, I said when I'm at a pastor convention, I'm like, who would go to a pastor convention? I've never been to a pastor convention. But when you're, uh, this just doesn't sound fun. Um, <laughs> Does it to you? Be honest. No, no. But, but when I've been at conferences before and pastors that you know, you know and love, they'll kind of come up, you start talking. And I really try to avoid these conversations, but they'll start trying to kind of gauge, well, so now tell me about your ministry. And they'll start, they'll want to know, they'll want to play the numbers game. And, I'm, and I just kind of hedge, oh, I don't know, it's really hard to measure. We got a lot online and a lot in person and four campuses. You know, it's like, well, how many did you baptize last year? And I really don't like, like going down those roads, but I will tell you, whenever I've said, I don't know, it's like usually in the 300s, people go, well, that can't be, you, that can't be true. You must be rebaptizing the same people every year. <laughs> Or what, is it like anybody who shows up in cutoffs with a towel, they get baptized? How do you do this? And what we say is, no, we actually vet these stories. You need to know, talk to our pastors. Every year, there are so many people that we go, no, you've already been baptized biblically as a believer. It's not, this isn't appropriate. Don't do that. Let's celebrate in a different way. So we have these conversations all the time. And I tell them that. And there is a kind of, that's like a miracle. And it is, guys, it's a miracle. I don't want you to miss that. It's a miracle. So here we are. We just had a baptism service last fall. Now, for those of you who don't know, our ministry year, the way we kind of track things, it starts in September. We kind of follow the school year. So it's like September to August. That's our fiscal year. That's our ministry year. That's how we track things. So we already had a, a big baptism service in the fall in this ministry year, like over a couple hundred people. And there were some of us who were going, 
are we ready to do this again? Same ministry year, months later? Should we do this? It's post-pandemic. How does this work? All of that stuff. Well, I don't know if we were ready, but God was. This isn't about numbers. Have I said that? This isn't about numbers, but I will tell you, when, like, we're going to baptize close to the same number we did in the fall, which means like in the 200s in both of those, which means those of you who are really good at math, that puts us in the 400s, which means in this, last, this year, this ministry year, after everything we've been through in this world, this ministry year will like, blow past an all-time record. We're going like, to baptize well over 400 people in this ministry year. God's up to something. Now, I know, I know. Again, some of you are like, my just not going to clap for things. Like, well, here's, how about this? The stories, the stories help us, don't they? Yeah. Before I tell you the stories, can I tell you about a, a pastor uh, came, to be, came to us last week and, uh, um, and said, um, I was having one of those conversations I was just talking about where we really want to know where is somebody on this. And so it's after the service and he's having a conversation with this person. Auditorium has like emptied. It's a great Sweet, beautiful conversation. This person's going to be baptized. He gets up, and one of the tech volunteers at his campus walks up to him with tears in his eyes and says, you have no idea. That, that, that person's a neighbor. My wife and I have been praying for that person for like years and years you may not know this if you're new here, but at each of our sites, before we slap on the last coat of paint, before we put the, the carpet down, we invite people to come in and we write our prayers out, like bold prayers. And a lot of those prayers are for our friends and family and neighbors, like by name. We'll just put first names out there. and God, please let so-and-so come to you. God, please. And around here, you'll still see it at times where somebody will walk somebody over to a place and go, so that's like, I wrote your name down there a long time ago. Okay, I'm not going to go too far into it, but I will tell you right now. <clears throat> right here. I poured my heart out to God and wrote names that I'm still waiting for God to bring them into the kingdom. We do that all the time. What am I trying to tell you? This will not now be about look at the crossing. This is about what God has done. And we have, we have bombarded heaven with prayers. And that's why we celebrate what we celebrate. So how about we jump into some stories. For those of you who have never done this with us, just be ready, okay? It's just all going to start like, like it's fire hose time. I'm just turning the fire hose on. Here we go. This is a third, grade, a third grade girl. She says, Jesus is the son of God. He died on the cross for us to save our lives. He has risen from the dead. She just preached the gospel to you. I don't know if you felt it or not. I asked Jesus, you talk about an image. I asked Jesus to be my savior at the dinner table with my whole family, with my brother, my mom, my dad, my little sister, and the dogs were under the table. I love that. Why should, why should you be baptized? Because it shows people that you believe in Jesus and that you believe that he is your savior. A fifth grade boy says, my life with Jesus is amazing and free because he's, a, he's the king. I love a fifth grader calling Jesus the king, who is my friend and someone I can talk to about anything, whether it's about my day or a problem I'm facing. Jesus gives me hope in knowing that I will eventually see him in heaven. Why, should I, why is it important to be baptized? Getting baptized is important for a Christ follower because it's a symbol to let other people know that I love Jesus and I am going to follow and trust him for the rest of my days. 
Here's a 50-something who said, and this is a theme throughout all of these, I attended a couple of churches in the area, didn't, wasn't really raised with a religious background, uh, then a friend invited me. Here's the theme, a friend inviting. A friend invited me to the crossing in, uh, let's say, around May of 2021. I have learned so much about Jesus in the last year. I've gone to a vision dinner. I went to explorations. This is the class where people can begin to ask questions about the fundamental building blocks of the faith. There's a night there called BHQ. It's Big Hairy Questions Night. People are allowed to ask whatever questions they want, and the, the, the pastors will then begin to answer those questions. At the end of it, one of the pastors, they were sitting on the stage, said, uh, so like, what are you waiting for? If you don't have anything standing in your way, why would you wait any longer? That night I went home and asked Jesus to forgive me and told him I trust him and I don't want to do this life without him. I am being baptized to outwardly show that I am a believer in Jesus. How about this one? Let's go back to, to kids. The, the, what's happening in, in Kids Crossing is just significant. I want you to see if you can notice here how the Holy Spirit works through the truth of Scripture. And I'm going to go on ahead and say a little girl who's probably watched more than one Disney movie and watch how she begins to articulate her faith, okay? So first of all, what is sin? Sin is a terrible power that gets us to lie and overpowers us when we know what the right thing to do is, but we still do the wrong thing. I really think she's explaining the end of Romans chapter seven to you right there. Uh, Jesus is this caring and kind man who died for our sins so that we could live in his hands. I love this. Jesus has rescued me from not believing him. You can't even come to Jesus without his help. That's just theologically pure. And then this, my life with Jesus now that I've asked him into my heart is so much better. I know I'm never alone. I know I'm always guided and I am always protected. Life with Jesus is way better than being controlled by a bad guy. Here it is. Life with Jesus feels like I'm free. I'm in his open arms. I am not locked up in a dungeon with no way out. So a life with Jesus is everything I could want. I mean, this is truth, just sheer truth. So let's go back to, to uh, the last verse in Acts 2. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, there's just no way to avoid this in the text. Part of that awe was connected to the miraculous. The early church was praying for miracles. They were asking God to intervene in supernatural ways. My question to you is, do we do that today? Or do we kind of hedge our bets a little bit and go, well, I don't know if we can really go out there and ask God for that. Gang, I'm telling you right now, with everything we see in the world and see in our lives, we ought to be asking God for miracles, like big miracles. Let's see what he does. Oh, and when these miracles happen, I don't want you to miss them. So I'm going to give you two things to, to notice when it comes to wonder. The, the first, I'll just give you one of them now. Okay? It's... Let me put it to you this way. A few weeks ago at the PGA Championship, there was a photo of Tiger Woods swinging a golf club that went viral. And you're like, well, why would Tiger swing in a golf club? If we have so many photos of that, why would that rip through social media? See if you can tell why. Because it was something, it just, anybody notice something? (laughs) Everybody is taking a picture of what's happening right in front of them, except this guy right here. This guy right here is actually noticing what is happening in front of him instead of like taking a picture or a a video of it. Now, I'm not going to go into the rest of the story where the uh, beer company that noticed the can, he was, and now they've offered him an ad campaign and all of that. That's not our point. (laughs) My point is this I love technology, I love what it does for us. I just want us to be aware of what it sometimes does 
to us. And there are some who say that technology is dulling our senses and our ability to live in a physical world where we actually notice what is right in front of us. I don't want you to do that when it comes to the miraculous. Can you notice what God is doing right in front of you? So the first thing is be intentional about this. This is a 19-year-old man who said, uh, I grew up, and he tells the denomination he grew up in, and and says... um, I fell into an addiction for lust, and for many years I battled against it, knowing that it was displeasing to God. You guys need to know the honesty with which people pour out their hearts is humbling. Uh, Started to read my Bible. I was hoping that that might help me to get away from the addiction, but it didn't. And uh, eventually he talks about getting connected to the crossing, and I was introduced to a faithful and loving God. I'm not even sure what exact point on my journey I accepted the true Christ but it has so impacted my life. I have gotten to experience love, comfort, peace like never before. God has been walking with me and healing me from my sins. He helps me to repent and to stand strong. What he's describing here is the miracle of life change. Why am I being baptized? It is an outward expression of an inward transformation. Here's a 70-something woman. I always believed in God, but there was a piece missing from the puzzle. How was Jesus able to escape the tomb? How was he actually God and man on earth? One day while I was driving with my late husband and still trying to figure this out, my husband reminded me of all of the other miracles God had performed. Doesn't it seem that he could have performed these miracles as well? She said, that's just when it hit me, the moment that was the missing piece. It was so simple, it was there all the time. It was a miracle that God does miracles. Okay, so here's a 40-something woman. Um, I'm not gonna go into the whole story. I will tell you that... uh, She's, she talks about her son being addicted to drugs and uh, becoming suicidal, desperately offering him to God, uh, praying a, just, just praying really bold prayers for her son along the way. Um, she talks about God bringing her husband into her life. The two of them are on a spiritual journey. They, they know who Jesus is. They're both going to be baptized tonight. Now, in preacher school, that's where you'd stop the story. Hey, you know, they prayed... Here's what she says next. While God brought me much needed help by way of a husband, things with my son worsened. Now, I won't go into the story, but I love the honesty here. And then she says, my son's been in prison since 2015 and will be there several more years. I've prayed over and over that he would soften his heart and turn toward God. Here's the miracle. Over this past year or so, that has happened. Now we talk regularly about God and and how to live according to Scripture. I'm learning to let God lead on all of this. I've learned that I've missed so many years of teaching my children about God, but I'm committing to changing that even now. I'm not done learning, and I wouldn't want it any other way. Baptism is my way of being intentional with my faith. I want people to know I'm all in. Gang, these are just these are miracles that are happening in our midst, and I want you to be aware of them as, as we go through this. Um, these stories, and I mean, I've just got so many stories that I could tell you. I mean, if you think about it, like you got all of these stories and you're thinking, well, that's like 10, you got a dozen stories. How many real stories do you have? I wish you could see the stacks and stacks of paper. This doesn't even represent them. Like it's a stack, like two, three inches thick of these stories that we sift through and pray through and cry through. I'm gonna give you just a couple of these. There's a woman in her 60s who spoke of losing her daughter and suffering a a traumatic brain injury this past year but through all of these dark days Jesus has been real 
She writes, he never fails to show up for me. Jesus, you know, some of you heard this last week. Jesus is my rock, my healer, my salvation, and I want the world to know I choose him. Or how about this from a teenager in Youth Crossing who is exploring the Bible and, and having deep, their words, deep conversation. I realized being a Christian and asking Jesus into your life wasn't as complicated as I was making it. Some of you needed to hear that today. Uh, it's, it's recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus is enough. And from another teenager, I was sitting in the front row of the last Easter service and tears were coming to my eyes and the only reason I could think to why that was happening was because I just let Jesus in. She goes on to say, then I bought a new Bible, a study journal, I took the Genius of One course with my family, I'm learning that it's more than coming to church every weekend, it's living out my faith throughout the week, sharing love and time and being there for people. I'm just telling you, these kinds of things are happening again and again. Here's a story from a young man, um, 30 years old. It's a miracle that I came to faith. Events in, my, events in my childhood led me to lose all faith and authority at a very young age. I quickly abandoned my bar mitzvah teachings and thought my relationship with God was over. I hated authority so much that so that later in my college dorm, I had a picture mocking Jesus hanging in my college room. Little did I know, even then, he was looking over me. I was threatened by the concept of Jesus because I didn't feel worthy of a savior, and no one else was either. With a separation from God and a lack of faith in much good in the world, I was on the pursuit of happiness. He writes, Q, kid, cuddy, great reference. It became evident that the worldly pleasures were meaningless. The party ends, the drugs wear off, and worldly relationships deteriorate when the, when the going gets tough. When my now fiance came into my life, it was the first time I let someone in my life who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, aside from my mom who had converted from Judaism years prior. No intention of coming to faith, but he just knew something was different. He saw it in her life. He saw it in her family's life, the way that they loved, the way that they, that he, he said prior to them, like, I thought all Christians were people who believed in a Santa-like figure to deal with their transgressions and pass on judgment to others. This was my first glimpse as to how the spirit works through people. But even that wasn't enough to convince him. And I'll just say at this part of the story, this needed to be his faith and it needed to be his decision. And there was a time when he and his fiance broke up. And he said, in that moment, I felt relief, not because of the breakup. I was heartbroken, he writes. But I felt God's presence in that moment. Looking back, that hardship softened my heart and ultimately led me to, to allow Jesus into my life. He talks about meeting with a pastor here who was so helpful and reading certain authors and, and just reading the Bible and, and all of this, his guard starts to come down. He says, as for miracles in my story, <laughs> the entire story is a miracle. God has softened my heart so the name Jesus no longer stung. God has brought his followers into my life to show me what following his word meant. God brought leaders and authority figures into my life so I could lean on them. I, 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 talk, I could talk about the intervention in the feedback loop from hell season that he was in and how God graced, his, graced him with his presence in those moments when he needed it the most. He said, I could talk about the dreams I've had or the darkness he's pulled me out of, but the bitter, biggest miracle is the Jesus following people he's blessed me with. My family, my fiance, they did reconnect my soon-to-be family, the pastors here at the crossing, the men at this church that are willing to connect on a deeper level. I didn't decide to take the leap when I could answer all of the questions. I don't even think that's possible. I came to the end of myself and gave myself to him. And what has giving my life to Jesus led to? Healing, 
rekindled relationships, new relationships, quieted anxiety and depression, and so much more than I could even type out before the service this weekend. How are you doing with your all? Because I'm telling you, we are being confronted with miracles right now. Let me give you one more thing that will help you when it comes to this. I said, be intentional, notice what's right in front of you, and then here's the second point. Give it time. That didn't help, did it? Give it time. What do I mean? I mean you live in a world where anger and anxiety and cynicism and snide remarks and old stuff just keeps splashing on you daily, every hour. And if you're not careful, for all of us, these things start to cake on over our soul. And you need time for God to peel some of this back. And you need to keep paying attention. And somewhere in there, oh, yeah, wonder. Let me put it to you this way. Have you, ever, um, have you ever gone on a vacation where somebody in your family was in charge of the timeline? Like there was an agenda? It's like, we got to go. We're going to see these things, and we got to get after it. Check, 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 check. Oh, and by the way, God puts something like really cool. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. But he puts it right in front of you, but you can't even notice it because, well, well you got to get to the next thing. Has anybody ever experienced something like this? And you don't even need the words. You know what's going on. Clark, honey, don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? Yeah, and then we're done. Listen to me. Every one of you, even if you've never seen that movie, every one of you has done that. I've done that. Don't do that. So pay attention to what God is doing right in your midst and then give it time. Don't blow past it. Slow down enough to say, God, what are you saying to me? Here's a uh, 20-something. I grew up in a, in, in a Christian household. We went to church on the weekends, but we never talked about our faith. It says for the past uh, 10 years, this, this young man says for the past 10 years, uh, I've gone through several rounds of atheism and agnosticism and faith. The past two years have been especially difficult. It talks about the pandemic and the isolation. It says even after the restrictions were lifted, I just don't feel connected. There were feelings of loneliness and hopelessness. It became too common. I was reluctant to reach out for any help, but then after the most recent talk on baptism, I realized I had a decision to make. I would either continue down a dark and nihilistic path, or I would choose a path of light and hope. Feeling like I was at the end of myself, I asked Jesus to enter into my heart, and that changed everything. You see, what he begins to tell us here is that he's at a place now where he is reaching out, where he is asking for help, and... Uh, I realize that I'm imperfect, I'm gonna falter from time to time, but I have hope knowing that I can always return to Jesus. He's stepping into the water tonight to tell others that he belongs to Jesus. A Couple of more kids here. Uh, here's a fourth grade boy who says, he is the Messiah who came to earth to die for our sins. He's always got my back in good times and bad times and he's guiding me. I know I'm not a perfect person, but I know he's always with me and close to me when I need him. Even whenever there is a, in quotes, thunderstorm, he is always the, in quotes, rainbow at the end. So this young man is using metaphor to explain to you God's faithfulness. Just these kids are, okay. Here's a third grade boy. I asked Jesus to be my savior at home while I was praying before bed with mom and dad. I decided on my own that I wanted to be a Christian and it felt like the right time. My life with Jesus. I love singing praises to him. I have my own microphone at home, and I love to put on sermons to teach others about Jesus. 
I pray every day. I pray for others when I hear an ambulance or a fire truck go by. I pray for my family and the whole world. Uh, I'm happy because I know he's the leader of my life. Why is it important to be baptized? So that people know I believe in Jesus. It might help other people to make the decision to follow him. It's also important because Jesus was baptized and we want to follow him and obey him. I said this before, but... Can we put him in the residency program like right now, Randall? Because, yeah, we need that. Okay, so all of these people have a sense of joy in what you're hearing. All of them have a sense of there's something there. So let me just go back now. Here's your last Hebrew for the day. Okay, you ready for it? I'm just going to go back to Psalm 118. Okay, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is what it sounds like in the Hebrew. See if any of these words sound Familiar. Zehayom asa Adonai Nagila Benismecha Vo. Any of those words? Adonai, you probably heard that when we know that means Lord. If you've been with us and uh, as we studied through Genesis, the word Yom is the Hebrew word for day. You, you might have picked up that one. There's another one there that you might know. Nagila. Anybody know the word Nagila? You might if I, if I sang it to you. Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila. It's a, it's a Jewish folk song. Do you know what it means? Rejoice. Let us rejoice. But that word can also be translated dance. Then don't get worried. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and jump a pew. For those of you watching online who have never been here, we don't even technically have pews, so that's not going to happen. But there is this joy. There are people who are asking you to celebrate with them tonight. It's, I was telling one of our folks that, that, that's just uh, one of our leaders here who's just joining the team, and I said, there's going to be such a celebration. But even in the middle of the celebration, you will see really quiet, holy moments, intimate moments. It's both. Last stories. I grew up a non-practicing Jew. My parents divorced when my siblings and I were young. Maybe that's what led to little faith in our household. Um, I wanted to belong to my religion, but I just felt left out. I know that whenever I heard the word Jesus or Christian, I was very turned off. I loved holidays, and I wanted to learn more about what it meant to be Jewish. And talks about uh, a journey in college, and but it did, just never really connected for her. Time passed. I met my now husband when I was 20. We started dating at 21. He's the only person I'd ever been close to who actually attended church as a kid and, and as a family now. And so I would go to church with him and begrudgingly stand during the worship. I loved what the teachers had to say, but why did they have to ruin it by then talking about Jesus? More time passed, uh, they didn't talk about it, wouldn't bring up faith. She's secretly knowing that she needs something. I'm just gonna fast forward to, she begins to connect uh, with, with the scriptures and what's being taught, and every week it felt like God was speaking directly to her. Now two years have passed. She finally, finally tells her husband, I believe in Jesus. I still have questions, I, I, but, but it's okay. It's such a relief. It's so exciting. We now talk freely about Jesus. We attend church. We're proud of our children repeating and loving what they hear in Kids Crossing. We have worship music on in our house and car. I used to hate having to stand and listen to that music at church. Now I have changed to somebody who loves worship music. Why am I being baptized? It is a physical, public, and spiritual expression showing my faith in Jesus. Last story. I grew up in New Delhi, India, India as a Hindu. 
My parents would take me to the temple on special occasions. I grew up believing that there are multiple gods and I needed to pray to specific gods when I needed money or good grades or friends or protection. I always believed that all religions are the same and they all lead to heaven as long as your good works outweigh the bad ones. I came to America in 2008 to get a college degree. During my freshman year, I met my friend Ben. Not this Ben, although it could be. He invited me to a college outreach ministry and started talking to me about Jesus. I was reluctant. I felt like he was going to convert me. Every time Ben would start that conversation, I would shut it down, and it wasn't pleasant. But Ben didn't walk away. He would still hang out with me, invite me to his family's Thanksgiving dinner, invite me to play ultimate Frisbee. Over time, I realized he just wanted to be my friend. I wanted to understand how he has so much joy in his life, why he was passionate about Jesus. So we agreed to start reading the Gospel of John together so that I could learn more. That's freshman year. Sophomore year, I started my party phase of school. Ben was still a good friend, still checking in on me, but my priorities had shifted. I made new friends, and I was acting cool. That experience was great for about a year until I realized I still wasn't satisfied. None of my friends were genuine, and none of them cared about me outside of the party. Fast forward to my senior year. I'm about to graduate. I get a job in St. Louis. I find a roommate from college who also used to go to that outreach group. We decided to start going to church together. One of the sermons talked about surrendering to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit lead you. That was the time I started to, to, to read the Bible for myself. I needed to know who Jesus was. Why is he so different? How does one estimate if you were on the path to heaven or hell? If I become a Christian, what would my parents say? But I kept an open mind and I kept learning. And after rereading the Gospel of John, I felt convicted of my sins and the purpose and value of the cross. And on April 16th of 2013, I accepted Jesus as my God and Savior. And I told Ben about it. That's when I found out that Ben and several other people have been praying for me since the day they first met me. I'm telling you guys, these stories are soaked in prayer. What I love about Christianity is the aspect of relationship. God cares about me. God loves me. God's hand is reaching out to me. I knew that I belonged to him, but it wasn't until the last teach on baptism that I realized I needed to go public and tell the whole world that I have accepted Jesus. I haven't told my parents that I'm a Christian yet, but this year I decided to start that conversation. So getting baptized will be a commitment to Jesus and a commitment to share my faith with my prayer, my parents. I'm telling you right now, give God glory and pray for these people because they're on a journey. You are officially invited to the party that your soul longs for. So I say come, meet some people that you've never met, met before, meet people that you haven't seen in a long time. Behold something that you've maybe never seen ever. Eat some good food, worship. It's going to be a thing. Let's turn our eyes towards Jesus. And for some of you, this might be the first time. This, this might be your day. You could leave here with hope. You could leave here having a solid foundation for a relationship with God. How? It's the wonder of grace. Every one of these stories tells a moment of surrender or a season of surrender where people say, I can't do this. You take care of my guilt. You take care of what I've done. God, please, you help me with everything. Help me now. Forgive me. Lead me. And Jesus moves in. And in that initial wave of healing, he peels off the shame and the hurt, and he, he cleanses you. That's why baptism is such a great picture of what Jesus has done. 
Some of you are saying, but you just don't know. You have no idea what I've gone through. You're right, but no matter what you've done or said or thought, even if you think you're past helping, God still holds out hope. Here's your last scripture. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He really is the bridge over this chasm that we have created between us and God. And this is your day to turn to him. For some of you, this could be your moment. In just a minute, we're going to kick this to the sights, and everybody's going to have this last moment of worship, and you're going to see something. And when that's over with, our pastors are going to be at the front of every one of these rooms, and they will talk to you right now about what it means to receive Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what, if we can have the real conversation and know where you really stand, it's not even too late for you to step into the waters today. But mostly, I want you to come to Jesus. And when I say it's not too late, part of that is because we just have a staff that is ready to keep serving and serving and serving. And can I just stop here at the end and and say how grateful I am to serve with this staff? You all understand how blessed you are with a staff that serves you and the world so well. I mean, they are an amazing group of people. Now... I said this previously, and I'm, I'm just so worried. This feels like an Oscar speech. I've got to go quickly, and I don't want to forget anybody. So let me just go through this. Um, like, how about our facilities teams? They keep these campuses looking just stunningly beautiful. Where do you get a load of the party tonight and how they've just prepared everything? How about those who are basically the guts of this place? Our operations, our HR, our accounting, our our IT people, they do the stuff that just keep us all moving in the right direction. Our communications team, they keep us all connected to each other. Our video crew that keeps producing these things that point us to moments with God. I'm just going to say, you've already heard this, but next week, that thing that we're all going to experience online... Check me if you've heard this before. We've never done it this way before. This thing that is going to happen next week, I think it's like 45 minutes long, 43 minutes long, 45. Wherever you're sitting next week on a holiday weekend, watch how God just, you're going to go, wow, really? That just happened? I love this team. How about our kids uh, ministry people who keep pouring into families and it echoes into future generations and into eternity? For some of you, this is going to be the place to serve. Our youth, our youth ministry the leaders and the pastors and the, the, the volunteers who are preparing youth in this world to reflect who Jesus is, come on. You want to talk about resources? What about our bookstore and helping people to just run into people today saying, I'm going to buy my first Bible. I love this place. Our musicians and worship leaders and technical people who put all of this together so that we can experience this. Our outreach team that keeps leading the charge outside the walls of this church so that we can serve people in the name of Jesus. I mean, there are just so many different ways that we are doing this. I'm thinking of our hospitality and guest experiences team that are always welcoming us. How about our administrators that organize this? They bring order to all the chaos that some of the rest of us create. And you wait till tonight. If you've never been here, you go, how is this so organized? Because of our administrators. And in this... Our leaders and pastors who wake up every day praying for you and how God is God wants to, to lead us into this world. I mean, they dream, they imagine, they grieve, they celebrate. But I get to serve with some pretty amazing pastors. They have countless cups of coffee or Coke Zero, depending on their preference. Go on long runs slow walks, sit down and 
hospital bedsides stand at gravesides enter into conversations that nobody else would even dare think about they teach and they they come alongside and they uh, they answer your questions and they they point you to Jesus and they they field the, the various concerns that you have, sometimes even aggravations, and they do it all with such grace. I'm really honored to serve with them. And I'm just going to tell you this. I didn't, I didn't check this with HR. Um, it's in the budget, so I'm not worried about that. But if this creates chaos, it's on me, all right? But you need to know, because of how God has blessed us, because of what's going on in this church, because of the opportunities that we're going to tell you about this fall, we're not holding back. We're actually leaning in, which means we're, up, we're looking for more pastors, believe it or not. When some places are going, we should probably hold back. We're looking for more pastors. So if you know somebody, if somebody is watching online and they're like, oh, yeah, I, there's a guy in Colorado. There's a woman in, in, uh, you know, in Georgia that you need to know about. Come on. Let's t- we're, just, we're just going to keep chasing Jesus into this thing. But right now, right now, I say we look for a miracle. Let's pray for a miracle because God's about to move. So here it is. Here it is. We're at the end. But where do you or someone real close to you need God to be the healer right now? Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's in a relationship that's in tatters. Maybe it's the the miracle you need right now is forgiveness. This could be your day. All I know is that I've seen God, I've seen God restore marriages that were honestly other people left for dead. I've seen God do a miracle when it comes to a career that was in shambles. I've seen God rescue somebody in the midst of just financial chaos. I've seen God heal physically when the experts said, no, this one's, there's no hope. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. All I know is that let's ask Jesus to do it again, to heal, to restore, to encourage, to lift us up, to push back darkness. You see, here we are now, and I'm just going to say one more time, as we always do, you're not crazy for caring this much, for giving this much, for loving this much. There is a God who is at work, and I want you to behold the wonder of what he's doing right now in your midst.